I am excited. Uh, for those who don't know, we just launched 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church, how we kick off the year, and I get excited for it. And as I started thinking about this, I realized that as a church, we mentioned something like this, and there are people in here who are like, yeah, prayer, fasting. If you get really excited about fasting, you either love Jesus or are weird <laughs> or think it's an opportunity to lose weight, but that's really not its purpose. But, but I look and I'm like, there are people who are super, super excited, and there are others who <laughs> hear that and they go, I wish I was super excited about prayer and fasting. And there are others who go, again? We're talking about prayer again. And I, and I looked and I thought, well, why is it that we have <clears throat> such different responses? And I, I had all my notes all ready and I got thinking about this, this, this prayer. And then this morning, pastor's talking about it. I'm like, ooh, he got some of my notes. So it's fun. I'm gonna skip a couple points because he covered them well this morning. But as I, as I looked, I realized that a lot of people, like all of us have heard of prayer. I don't think anyone in here is like, I have never heard of this. Um, but we, we've all heard of prayer. In fact, I think all of us have prayed. Maybe it's only before food, test, interviews, or medical emergencies. But all of us are like somewhat familiar with the concept, but I would wager to say that most of us don't have the prayer life that we wish we had or that we think we should have. And most of us, it's not a matter of intentionally trying to have a bad prayer life. We just don't have a good one, and we aren't sure why. And Pastor talked a little bit about it this morning, and he said, most of us who don't pray don't pray because we have bad theology around prayer. Bad beliefs, wrong beliefs, produce wrong action. And this is super simple. If you have the wrong day for a party you are gonna show up at the wrong time. You can be really smart, but if you have the wrong info, you get the wrong answer. And a lot of times, we believe some of the wrong things on prayer. So I started looking and going, okay, well, <laughs> where is the best spot? Who is the best teacher for the right things on prayer? I thought, you know, Jesus. Yeah. So tonight's message is lessons on prayer from Jesus. I figured that was a good spot to start. And, and there's, it comes up all throughout as Jesus is teaching, but we're going to spend all, <laughs> almost all of our time in Luke 11 and Matthew 6. They both cover the same section, one recorded by Matthew, one recorded by Luke. So we'll bounce a little bit there, but in Luke 1, it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when his dis disciples... Um, said to us, when he ceased, his disciples, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. <coughs> so he said to them, when you pray, say, <coughs> hold on, just one second. <coughs> okay, now I can breathe. Now I can talk. Okay. Um, so our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For, as, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I looked, and I wrote out more points from this than there's any way I'm going to cover in 30 minutes. Don't worry, I will limit it by time and not by content, because this is just a super, super loaded section. Number one, starts out with teach us. And I thought about that, 
And number one, it's not all obvious. And number two, they saw something. There was something in his prayer life that was not a ritual, that was not just something to check off a box. They looked and they said, well, you teach us because you have something. There's something different about the way that you pray than the way that we pray. <coughs> in Acts 10, 38, he says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He walked in a power that came from a prayer that they saw. And they said, there's something different. Will you teach us to pray? And this is, this is, this is powerful. A life without the word will get off course. A life without prayer won't reach its potential. A life without the word will get off course, but a life without prayer won't reach its potential. See, if <clears throat> Colossians 1.29 says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. When I pray, I am plugging into the source. I am connecting to him. Without prayer, I am limited to my capacity. My capacity is limited. But when I pray, I can connect to God and his capacity. If we want a life empowered by God, we have to live a life connected to him. If, if our life, so often we want his results, but we have to connect to him. And we get to do that through prayer. And, and Jesus responds to these guys. And, and he starts out with a really powerful word. If you've got your Bible open there, you can underline this word. When you pray. I think the American church thought he said, if you pray. But he doesn't. He just goes, oh, of course you're going to pray. When you pray, and then he starts to spell this out. But as I started to look at this, I found some notes on this from Willie George that were just really, really good. He looked and he said, prayer is a lot like exercise. It's not meaningful until it becomes regular. How many, I don't know if anyone else has done this. Has anyone ever realized they were out of shape and tried to get in shape in one day? <laughs> yes! You try so hard and you try to cram it all in and this is what it achieves. Pain. <laughs> and a desire not to do that again. So like, you sit here and you're like, I got so out of shape, I'm going to work out really hard and you like fully go for it and the next day you're like, uh, uh, oh, I am not going back to that for a while. Well, people do that spiritually too. They sit here and they're like, <clears throat> I don't have the prayer life that I should have. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a prayer marathon. I'm going to try to pray for an hour. And then they sit there and they get a few minutes into the thing and they're like, I have prayed for everything I know how to pray for and I, am, I have 57 minutes left. <laughs> and then they, they, they sit here and they get done with the thing and they're frustrated because they're trying to get all in shape in one day and in one moment and they give up and they go, well, I guess I'm just not good at this, I guess, and they let it go. But as I was looking at this, Willie said it this way. He said, if you, um, he said, the people who go to the gym, he said, well, the less consistent you are, the less consistent you will be. Those who have a set time to go to the gym or to pray consistent by the plan. 
Those who come in sporadically are inconsistent and become infrequent. And it just like blew me away that if we want a strong prayer life, we have to do it on purpose. We have to decide, I want a strong prayer life. I'm going to pray. When are you going to pray? Because if you don't set when you're going to pray, you know when you're going to pray? Either when you sat in front of your food or when there's an emergency. You're like, oh no, the doctor gave me a bad report. Time to pray. But so like one of the things that we do for pray first, one of the reasons that we set this up is that 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., to remind you to pray. It's seven minutes online. And if you're like, what are you talking about? So for 21 days, we lead prayer morning and night, 7 a.m., 7 p.m. online. So you can go to our Facebook, our website, or to YouTube. And we'll broadcast. If you're not following us there yet, you can follow us on any of those platforms and you'll get a notification to remind you, oh, hey, look, we're about to pray. And what I have done is I've put alarms in my phone, not just because I'm responsible for it. That's kind of important too, but... Um, in my phone that says, hey, you know, it's coming up. It's, it's about time to, to pray. Well, last year we did this. My alarm at 6.55 to tell me it's about time to pray, I left that in my phone all year until deer season, and it almost spooked them. So I, I took it off then. But here was the thing, is it was a reminder. And I think all of us have a phone that's capable of setting a reminder. And if not, you have a watch that's capable of setting an alarm that just beeps and just reminds you, oh yeah, I said I was going to pray. How long are you going to pray for? I don't know, but I'm going to pray on purpose. When I pray on purpose, I'm going to start praying consistently. And when I start praying consistently, I'm going to start seeing results. I'm going to start seeing things happen. I'm going to see things change. And, and so often I've talked to people and they're like, well, nobody has, I don't have time to pray. And do you realize that nobody has time to pray? You make time to pray. All of us successfully spent 24 hours yesterday. Think about it. Like, we did. And if you're not careful, you'll just... It's going to happen again today. You will spend 24 hours. The thing is going, what am I going to do in it? And so often we look at somebody else and we go, I don't know how they do that. I don't know, this this is impossible. I don't have the time. But we have the time. We just have to choose how we're going to use it. And so I look and I'm like, well, what's this, this next thing that we learn from this, this prayer? And he goes, our Father. And he, as he goes, as we open up in prayer, he stops and goes, you need to know who you're praying to. You're praying to your Father, not some crazy guy. And depending on your Father, how easy this is to relate, because some of us have crazy fathers, others have loving fathers, others have super helpful fathers. And so it can be crazy, but he goes through and says, our father. And then just in case you didn't have the best father, when he ends the Lord's prayer, he moves on in Luke 11 and he talks about the fact that some of us have not the best fathers. And then he goes, how much more, if you who aren't perfect will still help out your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask him? And he goes, your father wants to bless you. And if you think that, you're, that, that God wants to torture you, you won't pray. If you think it's an exercise in futility, you will not pray much. If you're like, I have to check this off my list, your prayer life will be empty. 
But when you recognize that my father wants a relationship with me and my father wants to move in my life and my father wants to answer my prayers, then all of a sudden our desire begins to be moved. And I want to make sure I get to this point. So, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A pastor started covering the kingdom this morning and there's a a whole series right there in that word. But your will be done, I think this phrase hangs the truth that most of us miss. Most of us think of prayer as one of a couple of things. We're like, prayer is when I inform God of what I need. Prayer, or they think, prayer is when I convince God of what I need him to do. And I gotta pray just right, and I gotta use just the right words because I have got to get God to want this. I've gotta get God to desire this. And so they're like, well, am I informing God? Am I convincing God? Am I manipulating God? And then this phrase pops it. Because think about this. Whose will is it? Okay, does he know it then? If it's his will, he knows it. If it's his will, does he want it? So why am I praying it? And Because this just pops. Because most of us think that my prayer is to inform him of this or my prayer is to convince him or my prayer is to get him to want this. But if it's his will, then he already wants it. He already knows it. So my prayer has another purpose. And if we can understand this, we start to value and we start to pray. See, Prayer is a matter of authority. Uh, This is is because in Genesis chapter one, okay, so God creates the earth in Genesis one. And then he goes through and he says, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the earth. And he sets up the rules and he sets up authority and he goes, my desire is to to rule the world with man. And I'm going to commission him. I am going to give him authority. And and this is a hard thing for a lot of people to understand. And we hear God's all-powerful. Anyone ever heard God's all-powerful? Okay, you're right. But did you know that there's a difference between power and authority? And this this is what's crazy. Because all-powerful God gave authority. Now, uh, so, so I have children. I love my children. And my children are lots of fun. And we've been playing more games. And it is so much fun and so frustrating. Uh, I, I have kids 10, 9, 6, and 4. And you teach them a little game. And there comes this, this difference between power and authority between what you can do and what you can do. Because when you're playing checkers, checkers is a very simple game. You move a piece from one colored square to the next colored square, and you try to jump your opponent's piece. 
You don't realize there's that many rules until you try playing with a four-year-old. And they're sitting here and they're like, oh, I jumped you. You're like, you, you, you can't jump the entire board. Yes, I can. You're like, your piece can only go forward until you get it kinged. But I want to jump you. And then there's this, this thing where there's things that they can do, but you can't do that as long as you're playing the game. Like, yes, you have the physical ability to pick up the pieces and move the pieces wherever you want, but that's not part of the game. That's not how it's set up to work. And as soon as you set up the game and say you're playing the game, you are now held by the rules of the game. Well, when God made the earth, he set up the rules for how the earth would work. And he said, let us make man and let them have dominion over the earth. And he set up a system and he set up an authority. In fact, his disciples asked Jesus about this and they're, they asked, or he told them a parable and, he, and he, he lays this thing out and he goes, hey, and this is the parable of the tares and the wheat. And he goes, I am not going to come back you're not going to pull up the tares lest I pull up the wheat. He goes, I am not coming back yet. And then 2 Peter 3, 9, I think this is in my notes. It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. When the game is over, the game is over. The score is final. And this is what God's doing. He goes, when I work on earth, while it's under man's authority, I work in and through man. When I take back rule, the game is over. The score is final. And there are people who need to know me first. So I haven't come back yet. Because I want them to meet me. I want them to receive my forgiveness. But that means that right now, that what God does, he does in partnership with people. The way that we partner with God, is, or one of the ways we partner with God, is through prayer. And, and as I begin to look throughout the, the Bible, you'll see tremendous, amazing miracles. But you'll see that when God does something crazy, he partners with a person. And sometimes the thing that the person does in our mind or in reality is piddly. But he gave authority to man. And when he did, he now works in partnership with people to accomplish his will on the earth. It's why we're told to pray it. Because when he does, when we do, we're saying, God, you said that in, to work inside the earth needed a man, so come, or mankind. Come and work through, through me. Come and work in this system. And now in partnership, he moves. When Moses split the Red Sea, do you realize it wasn't Moses standing there holding the water with his hands? But do you realize that God didn't do anything until Moses lifted the stick? That we can go through this and we can see all of these great things, these stories that we've heard and you're like, David killed Goliath. Well, kind of. God killed Goliath with David. He's like, launch a rock that way. It's going to be the first jet-powered rock. Angel-powered rock. Whoop, bam! Guided missile there. But God does it in partnership. 
And, and there's this thing of jurisdiction. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a police officer and I was asking him how jurisdiction works. I'm like, what if someone does something they're, they're not supposed to do? Your job as a cop is to deal with, well, I guess, depending on what, the, if they commit a crime. He's like, okay, so I'm, I am pursuing them. And I said, what if they cross a, um, a jurisdiction line? I'm like, do they get, you know, they don't get a freebie. It's not like you're like, oh, I just left Granville. I'm in Wyoming. Whee! They all have to stop. And, and he goes, I'm like, so what, what happens? And he's like, oh, we, we just contact, where we message their dispatch, and then they clear us to come and continue to pursue said um, person who broke, violated whatever law. I'm like, well, what about, and I go through all these, like, well, well, I contact them, and I get their permission to follow and to pursue. Well, I'm like, well, what if you don't? He's like, well, well I, I do. I have to. Like, this is how it works. If I want to continue to operate in their jurisdiction, I need their permission. We work well together and we go through it. Here's the process. Here's how it's cleared. But if I want to work in their area, I need their permission or their approval to continue to operate in their jurisdiction. Well, God went and gave us jurisdiction. And when God wants to work, he says, will you invite me into the jurisdiction that I have given you? And when we pray, we give him jurisdiction. We allow him to come in. But so often, things happen and we don't see both sides of it. So we just think, oh, God just moved. And you have no idea who was praying. You have no idea who partnered with him and said, God, come, move in my city, move in my family. God, do a work inside of my children. A couple months ago, so I think most, a lot of you guys are aware that Afghanistan got crazy. And as a church, we are praying for them. As a church, we partner with some different ministries and we have gotten to see over 2,600 people rescued out of Afghanistan. And it's been awesome. But it has been crazy. And, and you get to hear some of the different stories, but uh, about a month ago, before service, as they were starting service on a Wednesday night, Pastor Bernie felt like he was supposed to pray for him. And so he goes to pray for him. But he did not pray a normal Pastor Bernie prayer. Pastor Bernie is nice. If you haven't met Pastor Bernie, he is normally very nice. Um, but his prayer was incredibly violent. He's like, God, stop them. Destroy them. Those that would destroy your people. And, and he just is praying for them over there. And just this really aggressive prayer. Just what God kind of just stirred up, bubbled up in him. Well, a few days later, he gets the word back that shortly thereafter, there was a group of the people who were escaping from the Taliban and the Taliban was chasing them. They, got, they, were hidden in a, they were hiding like in a cave with nowhere else to go and as the Taliban was coming close, coming around the corner of the mountain or a corner of the cliff, there was an earthquake and the rocks from on top of the mountain came rolling down and crushed the Taliban that was gonna chase them and not one of the people that were being rescued was injured. It's awesome. But a lot of times we just look 
and we just go, well, God just does cool things. You can go, yeah, but he does it in partnership with people. God said, I want to rescue them and they're in your jurisdiction. Will you give me jurisdiction? And Bernie said, yes, you've got jurisdiction if you need to crush them. And he goes, oh, that'll work. We have no idea how much our world has been shaped by old ladies on their knees. My grandma, I am confident, I will discover, has changed the world many times over. She is 90-something and is literally like a full-time prayer. What does she do? She prays, travels the world or the country and prays. My 90-year-old grandma just drives. She's like Mary Poppins. You're like, where does she live? Where does the wind blow? Like, for real. Um, My parents have 19 grandkids, and that's just one of her kids. Everybody's got loads, so she's got grandkids and family everywhere, and she's just like, oh, I'm over here, I'm over here, and she's just praying everywhere she goes, gets in her little Subaru, drives across the country praying, changing the world because we we just we forget that God's looking for someone who will partner with him he goes I want to move will you partner with me will you give me jurisdiction will you partner with me in your family will you partner with me with your kids will you partner with me at your job will you partner with me your government needs help will you partner with me to to move in your country to move to give them wisdom someone's got to pray for them we're told to pray for our governing leaders not because we like them not because we agree with them that is irrelevant he goes pray with them because they need it pray with them because I want to do a work in them and they're in your jurisdiction so will you pray and invite me in so that I can do a work in your life so I can do a work in their life so I can do a work in the earth pray that my kingdom comes and my will is done on earth as it is in heaven he already wants it but he's looking for you to partner with him and to invite him in so that he can move. And when we do, we'll see God move in powerful ways. When we, we, he says, pray, my will is done. We're going to find his will here. And God wants to speak to us. In fact, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who've told me like, God never speaks to me. Well, there, there, there's two reasons that people say this. Number one, they didn't recognize his voice. And number two, they didn't hear it. But as a father, I can tell you, just because my children didn't hear something doesn't mean it wasn't said. <laughs> um, this, this is my headset. This is my Bluetooth headset. It's an open ear headset. I really like this but it's kind of annoying sometimes. So this headset doesn't go in my ears, which is great, which means I can continue to hear things around me while I'm hearing something. There's some fancy ones that are like bone conducting that like bypass everything. These are not that fancy or expensive. These just have little speakers that point at my ears. If things are relatively quiet, it is awesome. Because I can hear, and if my wife randomly starts talking to me when I was listening to something, I am aware of it. If I have my, like, ones that, like, plug my ears, I am oblivious to the world, and then I get in trouble because I was oblivious to the world. So they they developed these for people who have a family or for people who are, like, out for a walk and want to hear cars coming. But what I discovered, the problem with these is they're limited in how loud they go, 
And it's great if things are quiet, but if things are really loud around me, it can become really hard to hear them. I use these a lot when I'm working out, and uh, I'll put on my, my stuff, and I've got an iFit membership that came with my bike, and so I'll be hearing stuff and like going through it while my kids are watching a movie. And there's one of the things where after I like bike or whatever, I'll do some stretches, and they've got this one stretch where you like stick your arm back here and you look like an idiot, but that's okay. And so you, you do this, well, all of a sudden it cups this little speaker, and the, the trainer gets super loud. But in reality, the trainer has not changed volume. My headset did not get turned up. I just repositioned it. I just cupped out some of the other noise and held some of that to it. What we're doing in the beginning of the year is just trying to turn down some of the other noise and going, hey God, I want to listen. I want to hear what you're saying and I want to partner with you. I want to hear as you tell me that there's somebody who needs a knee healed. I want to hear when you speak to me about the situation with my children, with my wife, with my coworker. God, I want to hear what it is that you're asking me to pray for. Whether it's to protect some people in Afghanistan that I may never hear about, or whether it's to pray for you to work inside of our governing officials. God, I want to hear what you're saying. God, I want to partner with you. God, I, I want to see your will done. And when we do, when we partner with him, we can see our world changed. There is so much that God wants to do. And I told you it wouldn't all fit in 30 minutes. So, as we look and go, okay, God, what do you want to do? The number one thing that he wants is a relationship with us. And a relationship with some others. He goes, I paid the highest price to offer you forgiveness so that we could have a relationship from now until forever. And if you've not prayed and responded to his invitation for a relationship, it's the most important prayer you'll ever make. As he says, I paid for forgiveness, but you have to receive it. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. If you're here, you say, you know what? Today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Then I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here and you say, today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God and on my way to heaven. If that's you, get ready. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise up your hand. Awesome. I see your three. I see yours. I see yours. Who else is that's me? If you're online, you can type, type it in or you can click to raise your hand if you're on the website. Awesome. All right, we're going to say a simple prayer because that's what the Bible says to do. So whether you raised your hand or you've done this before, go ahead and join me as we say this. Say, God, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry 
for the wrong things I've done. I believe that your blood washes my sins away. I believe that you died and rose again. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.